Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandy Jackson, founder of Brandy Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related and, of course, the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course, or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. This is a bit of an extra special episode, I guess you could say, because I think of all the college coaches that I know and, and have former relationships with or have developed relationships with, this is one that I think goes back the farthest, which is about 30 years now that Coach Corey Hinkis and I have known each other since our early junior golf days here in South Carolina. We both grew up here in the upstate. She ended up moving down to the Columbia area, and then she went on to play at South Carolina when I played at Furman. Um, she had a sister who was actually my age, but we were all so close in age that we played a lot of junior golf together. And you know, kind of had similar but a little different paths into where we both are now. But it was a great chance just to catch up with her and hear a little more about her coaching philosophy and, and her family and what she's done since she's been there at Ole Miss and how that program has just developed during her time. So I hope you'll enjoy our, our conversation that we had and hear a little bit about kind of back in our junior golf days and then what she's doing there at Ole Miss. All right, welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I am here in Oxford, Mississippi at the Ole Miss Golf Complex with um, somebody I have known since uh, probably eight, nine years old, maybe, playing junior golf growing up in South Carolina, and glad to be able to sit down, and we've been chatting and catching up for the last uh, last little bit here, and excited to um, have her on and enjoy me to talk about you know, her journey into getting into coaching and talk a little bit about maybe even some of our junior golf days. But thanks for being on here. Got Coach uh, Corey Hinkis on here as the Ole Miss women's head coach. Thanks, Brandy. It's great to be here. And um, I think we just need to make a deal on our stories. Well, uh, I won't call you out anything if you don't call me out. <laughs> That's a deal. However, I think yesterday doing the episode with Mick, I think he might have, um, I told him I was a pretty open book, but I think we kind of slid in a few, um, a few knocks on each other. Yeah, so I'm maybe sure Mick we'll has some good ones it, on um, you. <laughs> we'll try to keep it clean back from our, our junior golf days. Um, obviously a lot has changed since those days of us playing junior golf and the recruiting process and in just college golf in general. Um, so much different. Um, you played at, you know, down the road from where I was at Furman and you played at South Carolina. Uh, we overlapped. I think you were a year younger than me, right? Correct. Yeah, you're sister my sister's age. Yep. Yeah. So I said back to the days of um, of junior golf through college. So talk a little bit about that as we're going through. But let's kind of um, share a little bit of how you got into coaching, your journey from um, from caddying into to coaching. So share a little bit of that, and then we're gonna um, just kind of dive into some some good questions for you. Sure. So I, I think I took a little unconventional route. I always thought I might want to get into coaching. I remember writing a paper in college about potentially wanting to get into coaching my freshman year. Um, but then I also at the same time wanted to prove that I could do things outside of golf once I finished. So I worked for a pharmaceutical company, um, had a real estate license in North Carolina and South Carolina, worked for a real estate development company. Um, and then that company actually, um, they went under. So at the time, um, a opportunity came up to caddy for my college roommate, Christy McPherson, who you know well, yes. and I'm sure you've got some yes. good stories on her. Um, so anyways, that was a great experience to get to caddy for her on the LPGA. And um, I also worked for a recruiting company, so Robert Half International. And just out of the blue one day, I got a phone call from a guy that I used to work with. 
he said, hey, this coaching opportunity came up at Charleston Southern because he played golf there. Would you be interested? And I'm like, huh, sure. You know, and so I ended up talking to Coach Mike Wilson at Charleston Southern and um, the rest is history. I'd never been an assistant coach, so I interviewed, um, got the job, and I was the head coach at Charleston Southern. So I felt a little um, in over my head at first. You know, obviously I'd been around golf my entire life, but it's a unique experience. But I've been extremely fortunate with the – the, my male counterpart coaches that I've worked mm-hmm. with have all been great at every school I've ever worked ever worked for. So it's been nice to have that resource. And I can't thank Mike yeah. Wilson enough. He's currently the coach at UAB, yes. the head men's golf coach there. So um, yeah, so that's where I, you know I first started in coaching. So that's been I'm in my 11th season now with coaching. Yes, I, I can remember back to all of those different kind of time periods and, and even, yeah, talking about Coach Wilson at Charleston Southern, got to know him pretty well um, just through when I did work with the boys and, and whatnot. So I know that that certainly helps and, and a great place to, to start. And then you ha- you know went on to uh, Augusta State as we were talking the, um, the, the three different names that it has been. <laughs> yeah. um, and then ended up landing here and obviously have done, uh, done some great things here and, uh, you know, just finished um, last season as the SEC champions, which was very awesome. Um, I you. know that was a had to be great. You know, first time in history um, to win the uh, win the SEC championship, and then also your second year of going to NCAA's, which that first year was the first time of doing that. So talk just about that excitement, I guess. And I mean, that may be, I know one of my questions I always ask is one of the most rewarding coaching moments. I'm sure that might fit into that. Uh, maybe yeah. not, but. Talk just a little bit about that from last year and how exciting all that was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an incredible journey here at Ole Miss and um, very fortunate and blessed to be here. I think we were ranked 134, you know, four and a half years ago, currently ranked 11th. So it's been awesome. It's been a fun journey. You know, it's it's been a lot of work and a lot of fun, but we've had the right group of girls buy in. Um, and so it all just kind of came to fruition, I think, last year at SEC's when all of our hard work we put in and I mean the SEC is such tough Mm -hmm. competition as you know and so many good teams there and for us to to be able to make the match play we were the eight seed making it um then you know our first match we won against Florida and we had um Macy Samoski who won on the 19th hole there then we went to the next match against Georgia and that carried over into the morning um so you know had to sleep on that because we had two holes left to play once again Macy Samoski won in extra holes um, and then to go to the final match against South Carolina, which is my alma mater. Um, and so impressed with what South Carolina has done. Yeah, Kaylin has yeah, done a fantastic done job, job and, um, I'm really impressed with where their program is. And obviously being an alumni, it's, it's cool to see where they've yeah. come and, um, kind of what they've done with their program. So, um, but then to finish it off and Macy it's made it. make you want to uh, beat them any yeah, less. Of course. So I'm yeah. Sure, I mean, of know, course I'm yeah. competitive. I, yes. you know, I want to win and, um, I know Kaylin's competitive as yes. well. And so, um, you know, so Macy, <laughs> Macy made a 55 footer on the last, her last wow, regulation hole awesome. to go into four extra holes of, um, she played a lot of golf. It sounds like she did yeah. 62 holes, I That's think crazy. in three, <laughs> not even three days, two days. So, um, but it was, uh, it was a, such an amazing experience with, um, our group of girls who, like I said, um, a couple of them I recruited, we were ranked over a hundred and they said, Hey coach, we want to come in here and change this program. We want Ole Miss to be on the map. We want to be the difference makers. And they have been. They've been the reason that we're, 
where we are today and helped us recruit players that are currently on our team. And, you know, that's all it takes is to get those few players who, who want to be here yeah, and want to make a difference. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it was a lot of fun. I, be- I bet so. Like, that just sounds exciting. I knew I followed along and saw it. I didn't quite know all the excitement behind all that. And, and so, yeah, I guess the, the Beecher alma mater and, and that had to be somewhat um, – a little bit bittersweet, I guess, in a way. Yeah. But like you said, we are Especially, all pretty competitive. That, you know, Puggy um, Blackman was the assistant coach yeah, at the time, too. Yeah. And he was my brother's coach in college. Right. So I've known Puggy since I was probably 10, 11 years yeah. old when he was recruiting my brother Kyle to play at South Carolina. And he was actually retiring that year. So, um, you know, like I said, it was, yeah. it was fun to walk the fairways with him. And, you know, for his last uh, trip at yeah, SECs. Yeah. But like you said, bittersweet. So. Yes, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Well, it's hard a lot of times when I see – all of y'all competing against each other because, like I said, so many of, of the coaches I've known mm-hmm. and I caught myself kind of battling back and forth between who do I want to pull for in certain times because I'm like, you know, wanting everybody to, not say everybody, to win. But yeah. sometimes it's hard to, to see you all as, as coaches now and going against each other and not knowing, you know, who to, to pull for or not pull for or whatever. So that's um, – well, I guess, you know, you kind of led into that. Um, I mean, I know obviously the recruiting side of it and, and you get the girls on board, but what are some of the things that – um, you know, just day in and day out that, that you see the girls do um, that really just helps them be those successful student athletes? You know, what are some of the traits or, um, you know, just some things that maybe stand out that, that maybe you see really help them be successful? Yeah, I think day in and day out. Um, so I think it just takes a lot of discipline. Um, having a schedule and knowing what you're going to practice each day is important, that you really have quality, you're spending quality time out there and not just beating yeah. balls, you know, having a purpose mm-hmm. to practice every day. Um, our, our girls are very disciplined with their time because, as you know, as a former college athlete and professional athlete, your time is very valuable. Yeah. Um, you have to be a little selfish with it at times because you don't have a lot of free time. So um, I think just we try as coaches to be extremely disciplined and organized to make it a lot easier on our players so when they get there here, they know what they're going to be doing. Um, they know what their schedule looks like a week out, a month out, a semester out. Um, you know, we try to give them the entire semester of what's going on. So I would say the most successful players practice with the purpose um, every single day. They they know what they're here for and what their what their end goal is and just try to get a little bit better each and every day. We do a big um, – we work a lot with Golf IQ. And so that, I think that's made a big difference in our program. It kind of breaks down every single stat for each of these players. And we'll sit down if we're struggling as individually or as a team one week in one area. We'll um, really gear our practice towards maybe 80 to 120 yards or whatever it is that Golf IQ has showed up to where we're, we're struggling. So um, I think that's been a huge part of our success as well is just really honing in on our weaknesses. Um, always continue to, to practice what you're yeah, good at. But is, uh, yeah, that's everybody like, likes uh, to do that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> likes to practice what you're good at, not so much so that the stuff that's that's hard that's and hard. tough to do. Yeah. yeah but I mean so. it is. It's a key to it that, you know, you gotta make those those weaker areas just a little bit better and exactly. make sure, you know, the better ones stay good. But yet if you, you know, you're only as good as your weaknesses in, in a lot of cases, because sure enough, you'll find that weakness on that 19th hole, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, when it all matters and you realize, you know what, this is that, that shot I've been avoiding. Yeah. So. And I think the big thing we do too, is we try to put pressure into every single practice yeah. or every type of drill or thing that we set up, try to make it pressure oriented yeah. so that when we are in those situations at SECs or, you know, the girls even told us like, coach, you know, and I was standing over that shot, I felt like I'd already done it before. Yeah. It's like when we practiced and we played this game or we did this ladder or whatever it might be, 
it just brought me back to what we did at practice. So, you know, that's, that's what you want to hear. And that's the purpose of doing that. So you can emulate that pressure and not feel it as much when the cameras are on Mm -hmm. or it's for a big championship or whatever that situation might be. So, um, yeah. So like I said, it just boils down to hard work and discipline. Well, I, I had a direction I wanted to take the, that, uh, part of that, which I'll come back to it, but what you brought up made me, um, uh, made me think of something different is, you know, talking about putting that pressure into practice. And you know, obviously I talk a lot more with the junior players and trying to get them to understand that. And and I explained to them, you know, it, it is, it is much different to create that when you are in a college environment and you have teammates and you have a coach who sets things up and tells you what to do, but any advice that, you know, the junior players between practice and then just them getting nervous when a coach watches, like anything that you can think of that helps them create that environment a little bit more in junior golf. Uh, like I said, it's a little different when you're, you know, you're in college and it's, it's kind of done for you. But I even struggle sometimes when they come to me, you know, how can I, you know, make my practice a little bit better? How can I be more prepared for when a coach does watch me and, and have those nerves and not be just so, you know, overwhelming? So anything you can think yeah. of that, uh, well, that I think helps. You- I mean, I guess a couple things, just making practice hard. We like to do a lot of ladder drills where if you don't accomplishment, accomplish Start something, you're going over. back mm-hmm. backwards one step until you complete it. So it's kind of a completion drill. Um, or setting up practice where if you don't get a certain target score of whatever you've set up, you repeat it, you know, a certain yeah. amount of times within reason. Um, you know, and you have to remember these coaches, they're not necessarily judging you. They're here to see, you know, what you're capable of. And a lot of times it's just seeing how you react to the bad holes. You're not going to have 18 good holes every single round. So it's just seeing the highs and lows of how you perform and how you act and how you carry yourself. Um, so, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really worry too much about them being there. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of like when your parents are there, they're there to support you and, um, and to watch you. But you know, something else I like that Angela Stanford, good friend of mine, she, the girls were asking her about some pressure. Um, and she said, when she gets in a pressure situation, hitting a golf shot, she always envisions herself back at Shady Oaks. And on her practice range, it's just a golf shot. You know, she she puts herself back in that spot. Yeah. And this is just another shot on the range at Shady Oaks or wherever on her practice facility. So I think if you can play a little bit of mind games with yourself mm-hmm. um, while you're practicing or even – you know, saying this shot is to win the NCAA championship, kind of putting that pressure, play against some friends, um, have some competitions, try to compete as much as you can. Yeah. Um, so I think just anytime you can, just put a maybe put a consequence on what you're doing or something that's pressure related instead of just going through the motions. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And again, I know it's it's easy when you've got teammates there and you've got a lot of players, which kind of segues into uh, the next question. You know, when you've got those teammates there that are a lot like you and at the same level, and I said you have a coach that's kind of holding you accountable. I know it's it's not as easy for the junior players to do it, but if there's any way you can create that, I mean, that's what you, you know, ideally want to do. You know, make your practice hard, compete with other people, play with people you're not comfortable with, you know, put something on, you know, on the line for, you know, for match play and all those different things, every way that you can get yourself uncomfortable during practice time and compete during practice time only makes tournaments easier. And then especially tournaments when those coaches are out watching you. Um, yeah. We even like that. when we play, we even, I mean, we make different qualifying stuff all the time yeah. too. Like our cart path out here is out of bounds. Okay. If you cross the cart path, you re tee. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we play different tee markers all the time or sometimes, um, you know, if you finish the last four holes, one over, we'll add another shot. If you bogey, yeah. just diff- different little yeah. things that kind of, 
play some head games a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's, you know, that way, once again, you're doing it in practice. Yes. So when you go to the tournament, anything's going to feel easier than what you've done at practice. Yeah. I know our team hated the cart path rule at first <laughs> until we went sure, yeah. to Karsten Creek at nationals two years ago. And they quickly realized if you hit it in the rough, it's a penalty. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we understand yes. now why you did this. It's so. funny when those things I've had, I've done a, a few that I've recommended to some of the girls where you have to miss the green and you'd set, you know, mm-hmm. am I, I going to miss it short, long, right or left? And, you know, you score yourself based off of whether you miss it in the right spot. And they're like, why would you want to purposely miss the green? And I'm like, it's just hoping you kind of learn a little bit about distance, distance control. And it also makes you have to get up and down on every hole mm-hmm. and it's putting you in those spots. It's making you think about where should you miss it? And some of them all of a sudden would be like, I kind of get that now. But some of those things, when you tell them, you know, if you don't always give them the why, or even if you give them the why until they get into that setting, they still don't understand, yeah. you know, they'll do it a lot of times because you tell them to, and then all of a sudden they'll have that aha It'll moment click. of like, that's why I needed to learn how to like, you know, miss it in different spots or be more aware of those kinds of things. Yeah, miss it in the right spot. Yes. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It so. does. Yes. Well, that, uh, again, I think every time we, we start talking about something, uh, it makes me go a different direction, but I want to bring it back to this and then we'll kind of circle back around, but you talked a lot about the players and and kind of their time management. But one thing I want to talk about with you is, you know, as a coach and in the time management with being a coach and then having a family and then having, you know, a team that that's really kind of been moving up and improving is, is, you know, just juggling that because I think sometimes, you know, as players and parents out there going through the process, sometimes they just see you as a coach and don't always think about, you know, these coaches, you know, have families and have lives and then have to juggle all that. And just to, to talk a little bit, some of the coaches I've had on other episodes, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, just juggling that, you know, family relationship and environment, you know, you've got a little one, another one on the way mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, how you balance, um, how you balance all that and, and trying to, you know, help prioritize, you know, when things come first and then just doing all that, what's some of the things that, that you feel are important to be able to balance all that? Well, I think it's important to, I mean, your players see you be a, a good mother to your child and they love your child oh, as yeah. much as you do, yeah. you know? And so they want to see her and, um, you know, I try when I come to work, I'm a coach. Um, you know, I like to separate it as much as I can. And then when I go home, you know, I'm a mother and, um, obviously I make recruiting calls and do some stuff that I need to do at nighttime. But when I'm home, I don't want to be on my phone the entire time and take away from that little bit of time I have with my daughter because she goes to bed so early anyways. But, um, I just think it's a good balance and, you know, I'm impressed with all the working moms out there that it is a lot on your plate, but it's that much more rewarding. And, um, you know, I love every minute of it. My daughter is now almost 15 months old and just at that really fun age. And, um, my husband's a physician assistant, um, in the ER. So he has crazy 12, 12 hour shifts, 12 times a month, pretty much. And so our, our schedule is very hectic. Um, very fortunate and blessed to have my parents here and my mother-in-law to be able to help. And yeah, mama T, (laughs) um, mama T and Steve-O. So they're, they're doing well and, um, gosh, I couldn't do it without them. So, um, I, I I don't, there's no negative to being a working mom, you know, and there's just so much. The unfortunate thing is sometimes people look at it as a negative, like, Oh, are you going to still be coaching or are you going to be as good of a coach because you have kids? Like, I don't even think that should come into question, you know? Yeah, it's, um, I, I agree. Well, I think it just makes you appreciate, you know, it, it just gives you a different perspective on, especially as being a, a female coach mm-hmm. with the girls you work with. It just gives you, I think, a different, you know, a different look on them as, as your players, you know, and, and it just helps you, I think, probably become a better mom and a better coach. I mean, you yeah. can only imagine that, you know, I'm not a mom. Um, I hope that, you know, 
that you have your fur babies. Yes, I have <laughs> no, my. I feel like I, I feel like I have a, a mom to a senior adult right now. I guess, <laughs> but but I mean, I can just see that how much that could and how much it's you know would not play into you know uh, maybe just a little bit more time management to it and everything. But again, it just seems that it only just adds that like that extra element of, uh, you know, just valuing what you do get to do and then maybe being able to kind of compartmentalize a little bit of, you know, when you do what. Um, but, I, you know, we talk about the players and their mm-hmm. time management and just understanding, you know, from a, a coach We side are humans things. and we yeah. have lives yeah. outside of just coaching, you know. Yes. And so if maybe they're not getting back to you as fast as you want on yeah. an email or a phone call, like we will get back to you. Um, yeah. You know, it is. And stop and think maybe that means, hey, she appreciates, you know, and values the time with family that, you know, just again, just always having to think about both sides to those equations sometimes I feel like is what's so important. Yeah. And, you know, luckily our job's nice to where my daughter and husband can come to some tournaments and Mm -hmm. support, you know, and um, it's nice to be able to come see your mom work. Yeah. How many jobs can you really do that with something? So, um, and then she'll get to see what you're doing for all these girls that come through. I mean, that I think has got to be, you know, when she gets, obviously she She gets all these big sisters, you know, yeah. I mean, it just becomes such a good family environment that I I think just shows such a great example to the girls that you have to see that and see how much you do value that. And, and, you know, that they get to learn from that. It only, only benefits oh I for think. sure and I think Julie on our team might have more pictures of Parker on her phone than yeah, I do I'm sure, yeah <laughs> so yeah it's, it's cute you know to see how much they you know enjoy playing with her and things yeah. and Parker gets just as much enjoyment out of it so um yeah it's it's great I really love it and it's fun to come home to you know to yeah. see your little one so yeah and her to be just especially you know the good days the bad days you get to go home and and you know your little one's gonna love you for mom no matter what so That's I'm sure right. that helps too yeah so. Well, ta- uh, again, every time, you know, which is what I love about doing these episodes, I sit here and think about like all the questions I'm going to ask and then it all just goes into 10 different directions. But speaking of the team and we were talking about kind of the competition, what it's something I've talked a little bit about more that I see more and more the girls kind of struggle a little bit. And again, golf is one of the the toughest sports to go from, you know, you're so individual junior golf, even though you're playing on a high school team, you're probably the best player on your team. And so you haven't been in that environment where everybody is as good as you are. Uh, you know, every sport is that way when you go from high school level to college level, all of a sudden you go from being your, the best player, but golf's a little bit different where you go from, you know, really playing mostly individual. Um, how do you help create that kind of team environment? How can some of the girls, you know, coming from the junior golf to college level better understand what that's going to be like when all of a sudden they are all on a team with, you know, the, hopefully the goal is you all have, you know, the, the same goal and the same, you know, uh, the same goal for why you're here, but everybody's going to come from a different background and different ways of doing it. How do you kind of help create that synergy knowing that they all have come from such individual backgrounds? Yeah, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. We have players from all different countries that mm-hmm. come here and obviously they grew up differently. And I think learning from them is helpful for me too. Um, Cause they can help you learn what they've done that works and you can yeah. implement that and add it to your practice and, I think I can learn just as much from them as they can from me on how to make things work. And um, so I think that's been fun just having so many players throughout the years from literally all over the world. Um, And like you said, everyone's kind of the best when they get here. And I think that's part of the fun too, is when you start having qualifying and practice and you can see them kind of getting, you know, a little mad because they just got beat by someone else, but it's what makes them better, you know? And fortunately this semester we had, a different lineup every tournament and all eight players played and that I think that's what makes a team great is when your your eight player can be it's in the lineup be, yeah. your seven player can yeah. be in the lineup and so 
Um, I think if you can create a positive um, environment that's competitive, I think that's the key. You know, you're not pitting players against each other. It's a positive. Everybody wants the next person to do well, but they also want to beat that person. Yeah, Yeah, like I said, you don't – that's such a – weird way to think of a team environment because you know you might have on a football team or a basketball team you know two players competing for the same position but rarely do you have day in and day out practice where you're competing against you know each other and you know and I think that's an adjustment for a lot of players who aren't you know aren't used but that is what Mm -hmm. helps make you get better you just gotta like I said I think I've had several players realize that wasn't you know, what it was going to be like because again they were the best player on their high school team and it they're wasn't like they're pushed by anybody yeah, else yeah. Really you know and they're, they're qualifying and all that wasn't the way it was and all of a sudden they're like you know we're always competing and you know and and just to, to it, they can only do so much to prepare for that but just knowing that's you know what it's like and that that's a positive thing it's a good thing yeah. from a team environment that you've got these other girls on the team that that are pushing you and you know you're competing against and and are as good as you if not in some cases better um I think that's just been a, a bit of a an awakening, I think, to some of the girls when I've talked to them after they've been in college for, you know, six months or a year. I just didn't, you know, I just didn't think about that being such a, you know, that kind of environment and how to adjust and learn how to adjust to that and not, you know, still be about you as an individual, but yet it's got to be about the teams. Yeah, and I think the team aspect, I think, is the most fun part, you know, winning as a team, there's no feeling like that, you know, and it takes the individual efforts of everybody to to do that and, um you know, I think if you're going to play college golf, if you're not competitive or if you mm-hmm. don't like getting beat by others, this might not be the right yeah. thing for you. But, um, you know, we literally try to have some kind of competitiveness every day. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll do team, little team events or partner events or just something to also keep it fun. And, um, you know, we have like even the sticker board that we do. I know that sounds kind of cheesy but yeah. like the girls love it you know yeah. and we have like different things on it for what we do and um it, it's really a lot of fun and it keeps them super competitive the entire semester so I think it's just finding what works for you and what works mm-hmm. for your team and every year your team's different the team chemistry is different um it's really just learning about how each player ticks what yeah. makes them work what makes them tick because not everybody's the same yeah what works for you might not work for me and I think it's just figuring out how you can talk to each player what they're going to mo- get motivated by. And once you figure that out, I think that's how you can really see some success and get the most out of each individual player. Yeah. Uh, uh, doing when I talked to Mick, my coach, and, and we talked about that and, and him, you know, he said me being there for the first time was one of the first times he had to think about a different way of coaching players. That'd been so much different than it's his other you're challenging players. Him. Apparently. <laughs> yes. And I, he did, he wrote that in like my hall of fame, like write up or whatever. And I was like, man, I didn't really realize that I was that like out of like, <laughs> In left field, I guess we talked about that during our episode and just the difference between, you know, where that line between, you know, trying to get the players to, you know, pushing them a little bit to do maybe do things different and and doing things your way because, you know, you do sometimes or in most cases, coaches obviously know better than players for the most part, but trying to find that balance between you adjusting to them and, and adjusting to the different players, but yet also making them come around to your way of doing things and kind of finding that balance because, you know, where that, that line is between them, the players kind of knowing what's good for them. And, and that's what we talk about with being coachable. Yeah. A lot of times everybody asks, like, what's it mean to be coachable? And again, it, it's, it's just such a balance there between not letting so many people influence, you know, like what you do and how you do things, knowing what's best for you, but also, especially when you get to the college environment, I mean, you've got to be willing to adapt to what the coach, you know, has you doing, whether you like it or not. And, and again, just trying to figure that out. I'm sure it's a, 
again, when you get new players in every year, it's just a new process to figure out, you know, where do you kind of conform to them a little bit mm-hmm. and where do you make them conform yeah, to you a little, little give bit. and take for sure. And that, you know, I think it's important in the whole recruiting process to figure that out on the mm-hmm. player side and the coach's side, because you do want a player who's coachable, but I also like to work with the players swing coaches because that's who got them here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's a good balance of what makes that player really tick. So, um, you know, it, it's, that's the fun part of it. You know, yeah. I feel like as a coach, you wear a bunch of different hats. You're kind yeah. of a, you have to be a sports psychologist, a, a mom, a coach, a, a little bit of everything. So, um, but I think that's what is so interesting about it, that not everyone's the same and um, everybody just needs to be treated a little bit differently sometimes yeah. to get the best out of them. Yes. Yes. It, it's true. Like I said, I, I've always said that the one thing I think that I will look back and not regret not ever being a college coach, but because like you said, it's, it's not about being a, a swing coach. It's about filling all those different hats and knowing, mm-hmm. having enough knowledge about all the different parts of game and development. I think again, that's what some of the junior players I think don't quite realize that's what college coaches do. You know, it's, it's being, you know, so many different roles and so yeah. many different hats and, you know, not necessarily being just this expert on one thing, but being really good at all those different things and bringing it together and and helping those players, you know, on so many things that they just didn't see in junior golf from a development perspective. Yeah. And I think it's too, from my end or, and the players, it's just not being too proud either to ask for other help or to, um, you know, this is the first time I've ever had an assistant coach when I got to Ole Miss. I never had one at Charleston Mm -hmm. Southern or Augusta state. And, that was my big thing when I went to hire was to get someone whose strengths were my weaknesses. Uh, I'm not, you know, that's what I want. I don't want someone with the same strengths. And so I think that's what makes us better as a team um, is to have great people working with you. And I've been very fortunate with um, assistant coaches to have Mm -hmm. fantastic assistant coaches who, like I said, we, we kind of complement each other on strengths and weaknesses and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, you always hear that a lot where you've got one coach who's a really good recruiter or and one who's maybe really good with the technical parts, you know, or, or vice versa, or, you know, the one who does all the practice and schedules a lot of the stuff, whereas the mm-hmm. other one, like I said, does more of the recruiting. It's always yeah. interesting to see those dynamics between head coach and assistant a lot of times. Exactly. And so, yeah, like I said, I've been very fortunate um, with Drew and Zach, and, you know, I couldn't couldn't ask for better people. And so, yeah. I'm ex- you know, very lucky. Yeah, that, that does. That helps a lot to have that dynamic. Well, tell me, let's – Kind of get back to a little bit of your kind of coaching journey, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about junior golf before we wrap this up. But what are some of the things kind of early on into your your coaching career? I mean, I know it's, what do we say, 12 year, 10, 11, 12 years? Um, in my 10? 11th. Okay, year now, so still yeah. kind of early, you know, a little bit early into it, but I'm sure you've learned, you know, you've learned a lot for me. You know, I'm 10 years into doing this with my business and the things that I think about with some of those first kids that I had, I'm like, God, like I so did <laughs> so not justice to them. But I mean, that's part yeah. of this, you know, it was what, you know, Mick and I talked about with, you know, 20 years ago that him and I were player coach and the things that, you know, he's learned about a coach that I'm sure he probably, I wish he would have done with me as a player, mm-hmm. but that, that's just, that's just life. But what are some of the things that maybe early on that, you know, the lessons you've learned um, or maybe some of the things you had, like hurdles you had to overcome, uh, things you would have done, you know, done different if you, you know, did know what you did now. Obviously, we can only say that, can't go back. But what are maybe some of the things that stand out that you definitely learned over the years and or maybe ways you've had to overcome stuff that's made you kind of grow and learn as a coach? Hmm, that's a pretty broad question. Yeah, I know. Uh, I kind of so. threw like three in there together. Uh, uh, well, maybe we'll what see, are, just, you know, 
I mean, like you said, when you first start, I'm sure uh, maybe I should apologize to my yeah. first team. <laughs> like I said, I feel like I need to apologize. <laughs> yeah, to maybe, yeah. Sorry, guys. But no, we had we actually had a fun year in one conference that there year. So that was See? pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, at Charleston Southern, that was fun. So thank y'all for uh, allowing me yeah. to figure out what I was doing for those first few years. But I think just the biggest thing is just never being afraid to ask for help. Okay. Is I think the one thing I've probably learned the most, um, like I said, I've, I've had help from so many people along the way that that's been my biggest thing is just if, if you don't know something, go ask somebody yeah. or you're don't just, worry that you're going to sound, don't sweat yeah. the small things. Yeah. Cause I know I stress over things because I want to do well. I want to be yeah. successful and I let the little things probably stress me out more than they should. Cause I like to do things right and do them the right yeah. way as I'm doing them. Um, so I guess maybe don't sweat the small things and never be afraid to ask for help. You know, nothing too little or, too big and the same if anyone needs help from me I, you know I'm always want to be a helping hand because people have done it for me along the way so um I guess that would be my biggest thing okay. and even from the player side of things you know like you have so many great people surrounding you when you go to college that don't take be afraid to take it. advantage of that yeah. you know I know like when we were in college we had great resources but nothing like what they have oh yeah today and so um I, you know I think that'd be one of the things yeah it, it, I think it's true I think it's, there's again I always like to use there's such a thin line and a balance between stuff, but there is because no, you don't want to go ask. There are dumb questions and there are things that you probably should take the time yeah. to figure out on your own. But there are so many things that, you know, don't be afraid to ask. You're not going to look stupid or you're not going to look, you know, like by asking the questions that like you, you know, you're, you know, it, it can only benefit you. Like I said, sometimes maybe think before you ask some questions. Yeah. Cause like I said, there are definitely sometimes we're, you know, you might want to do your own homework before you ask, but you know, when it comes to having the resources and those, those things that are there that are going to help you get better it you know, from all of us, I mean, it's things that within my business, I have to think about and ask questions yeah. and make sure, you know, um, I think trial and error too. I mean, I was never an assistant coach, so yeah. everything I've kind of done has just been, trial and error sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't yeah um could I've maybe learned more working under somebody for a few years absolutely but that's just not the path mm -hmm. that you know was in yeah. my future and this is um you know I had the luxury to start at Charleston Southern and very excited about that and um I, you know I think that would be the one thing too you're gonna mess up you learn yeah. from your failures and um and I think always going with your gut's been the big thing I've realize this usually works the best too is when it comes to recruiting and your gut's going to pull yes. you one way or the other and just yeah. try to go with it yeah so. well that's always a fun one to try to explain when I have parents and players we talked I've talked about this in some some episodes but it there it's the, the when the coach don't doesn't have an answer I'm like I'm glad you don't have an answer because I have players and parents who want me to say say want me to explain to them why this player over that player. And I'm like, there's just not, you know, there's not always got black feeling. and white. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I could call the coach and ask why. And, you know, but I was like, you just got to trust that like, there was a reason. Now, do you maybe need to analyze it? Maybe you did do something wrong. We need to mm -hmm. maybe start there first. And then you also sometimes have to say, you know, you are doing things right. You're doing what you're supposed to be that, you know, it's not that it wasn't anything personal. It's like you said, you got to go with your gut and the players do that as well. You yeah, know, they, sure. they kind of get that gut feeling with a place or a coach and, and somewhere they really want to be that, you know, you can't, um, you can't always fight that. And, and sometimes it ends up being, you know, you may realize it was a mistake later yeah. on and, and you, you know, it, it comes back to say, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but that's part of. Or you got to go with yeah. what you know at the time, with exactly. the facts that you know at hand. Exactly. Well, let's. Um, 
I would kind of talk before we kind of got on here and we're talking a little bit about social media and, and stuff like that. So I wanted to, um, got a couple more questions as we wrap up after this, but let's talk just a few minutes about kind of using social media. Um, you know, obviously the teams use it a lot to help kind of share what they're doing. You use it as a coach just to kind of track, you know, the future players. I preach, I'm actually in the heart. I know when this episode comes out, it may be done, but I've been in the heart of kind of writing some different articles about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this could be a whole episode in itself just because you know, there, there's so many ways to use it and, and the girls and how they use it and all that. But maybe just share a little bit about what you do look at and what you take into consideration if you're going to see somebody's social media and the red flags and, and maybe things that you'd like to see with players if they're going to use social media, you know, with a recruiting side of things. Yeah. I mean, my advice, you know, would be every coach looks at social media, you know, they're, the information's out there. So they're going to look and see what it is that you are promoting about yourself. Um, So I would just recommend to never put anything up there that you wouldn't want your mom, dad, grandmother, granddad to see. Um, Because these things, once they're up there, they're out there. They're not coming Mm -hmm. down. So always just be cognizant of what you're putting out there. Um, Nothing, you know, too promiscuous or nothing that um, would come back to haunt you. So I would just kind of steer clear of things like that. And um, it doesn't mean you have to post all golf videos or anything like that. Um, Be who you are, post the pictures of what you like to do, but just keep that stuff into consideration that it is, even when you go look for a job, people look me up, they look you up. That's just what we do this day and age. Um, So I'd always recommend just kind of thinking before you hit that like button or send or whatever it might be. but it, it is a valuable resource, too, and it is a good way to promote yourself and um, for coaches to see your swings if you want to post some videos on there every now and then or um, post them to your story. I think it's a great way for us to be able to to see you do mm-hmm. things when we don't live near you or can't yeah. see you all the time. So I highly recommend setting up some kind of page, and you can even make a, a golf Instagram or something like that. But use it. Just use it in a positive way. Yeah. Well, that's actually the the most recent one I wrote was, you know, I got asked this during a, a seminar about, you know, should we set up just a golf specific one? So I kind of address the, the positives to doing that, but don't think that just because you set up a golf specific one and then you keep your personal one private that a coach isn't going to try to find out what your personal one says too. And you got to be, you know, aware of those. And then, you know, also if, if you want to share it all on the same page, but I think we were talking about this uh, a little bit earlier too, that, you know, there is the the sea and the red flags and the obvious things, but then sometimes you get a feel for a player and their their priorities and just their, you know, where are they spending their time? Because if you're going to post, especially if you're going to post pretty often and you're going to use it, then what you're posting about in most cases represents, you know, what's most important in your life. Yeah, and keeping sure. that in mind, if you're telling a coach, you know, one thing, but yet you don't post anything off or everything is, you know, just selfies and beach pictures and all that. Like if that's who you are, then post that. But you've got to think about the fit for where you're maybe trying to play, play college golf. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I know has taken a few players, uh, you know, throwing them off guard a little bit to say, well, I just don't feel, you know, feel right posting golf pictures. And it's like, okay, but just, again, what you put on social media in a lot of ways is what, kind of how you what represents who you are. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, for me, my what's well, my social media, my personal social media is pretty much my my dog and my friends and my family and workouts. And I mean, mm-hmm. from a personal perspective, you know, that's what it is. And then, you know, business is all about my business and, and, and loving that and all that. So that's what is most important in, in my life and, um, you know, I share my, my faith and, and you know, like I said, family, friends. So you, you do. I mean, that's what social media is. So if you're going to do it, 
you know, you just got to be cognizant of the fact that you're going through the recruiting process. And especially if you want to play at a higher level of golf, that you know, golf is important in yeah. your life. And I think exactly. some don't, you know, sometimes you don't see a single golf picture. And like you said, they're only at the beach or yeah. going out and this yeah. and that. And it kind of makes you question a little bit of, yeah, is this a big priority? So, you know, perception is not always reality, but yeah. it is something that, you know, people look at. So I would just be aware of what yeah, you're posting yeah. and how often you're posting certain things. So it is a very valuable and powerful tool as well. So I think you can really use it to your benefit. And I think it's a great tool to, to have out there. Just be smart about it would just be my only, yeah, only yeah. suggestion. And I think smart. And I think we all know there is the social media as much as you want to use it and, and use it as a resource. Anybody living in this day and age also knows social media is a highlight reel. And, you know, it's, um, you can post what you want and not post what you don't. So at the same time, you do take it, I think, to only mean so much to a degree yeah. um, because it, it's, you know, it is our, our highlight reel of the the, the good you know, stuff. The good no stuff. one posts yeah. the bad stuff yeah. on there. Yeah. So. I don't know. I feel like sometimes I post more the, the bad stuff <laughs> than I do the good stuff sometimes. But yes, the, you do get that. So that's something else that I think uh, is to keep in mind. All right. Well, I know we've been talking a good bit, so I want to kind of wrap it up. But one of the ones, and we talked about this, and you said um, uh, you don't know that you might have one, but I still have to ask about you know the, the funniest story or now I've got one from our junior golf days and I know we bring up is our the famous par three at College of Charleston. Um, I mean oh, College, Charleston, you had to College bring of Charleston. That up. Well, you mentioned something <laughs> earlier, and, and I say this only because. Mick, when I did my episode with him, you know, he was there when I had the hole in one. And uh. so he saw me have like a 13 and then he turns around and sees me have like a hole in one. And, and I know we always joke about the, the famous par three there at Country Club of Charleston. And, I need and to get rid our, of that hole. Yeah. Well, they, they've redone it, but I, it, I haven't it, seen yeah. it since they've redone it. Yeah. I always joke about that where, yeah, I think we were laying up the next day. I, so I if, for those up, of y'all yeah. that want the story, this is a college of Charleston where they, or sorry, country club of Charleston <laughs> where they just had the US, women's U.S. Open. So Brandy and I we were playing the, um, the junior Azalea, junior Azalea. Daniel. Yeah. And you were the group ahead of me so, and, yeah. or behind me. One of the two, I think ahead of me and she makes a hole in one. And here I am behind her. This hole is like, you know, huge bunkers, it right? It needed to left. be blown up. Yeah. So the first, I hit it on the bunkers. I keep going back and forth, back. I think I made like a 16 or some ridiculous number. <laughs> Meanwhile, you made a hole in one. So you just we cut me by like the, 15 shots. Well, and in your defense on that, I'm pretty sure the average on that was probably like a triple bogey or something. Oh, because yeah. it was only like 100, it was like 160 yards. I think I used like back then it was like a four iron or something. So we're also junior girls having to hit like long irons yeah. into a green that's like five Super yards narrow. wide. Yeah. So most every Everybody got to where we would just hit pitching wedge and lay it up short and then well, chip Well, I up. tried that the next day. So we're at the yeah. pool that night and everyone's like, do you hear about the girl that made a 16? I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and so we were laughing about it. So the next day I was like, all right, I'm going to lay up. But, yeah. I lay up. I hit a sprinkler head, goes in the bunker. Oh, no. I end up making like that. an 11 or something else yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I, I said, did play two under on the remaining holes. Not that go. I had any chance of yeah. competing at this point, but it was, it was just comical. And I think uh, I still get text messages from friends to this day. Yeah. That hole is haunted me for years uh, well so. like i said i'm pretty sure our average among all the girls like i said i think we might have been the the outlier average for <laughs> yeah. that but it had to have been at least like a double bogey at least oh, for sure i mean if not more because i don't know i mean i don't know if anybody even could par the hole because you're either gonna make 
like a birdie and you're gonna it's gonna yeah. be really close or you're gonna make or a bogey a bunch yeah, yeah. so yeah know. it was fun watching the the open and listening to them talk about that this year and and like I said, they I have redone the, I it hurt the pace of play that day <laughs> well i'm pretty <laughs> sure there was about a four hole backup probably anyways on that hole but oh, that man. would be one of my i mean we've got many many you know i know stories from our junior golf days like i said we went through so many tournaments together between you know me and you and, and your sister and, and our whole crew and, and it's it's a lot of fun to yeah, see the girls do that now. My, my brother is now working with you on the a different yeah. committee, so it all kind of comes full circle. How we're all, you know, you're it still is. tied together. I know. So God, I mean, we're talking thirty years ago. I mean, yeah, been thirty yeah. years since we all first started playing, and and it's just it is it's just cool to see, especially the ones of us who stayed in the game or in mm-hmm. different so many different ways or, or whatever. But I think that's the best part of of what we do in college golf it's not you're not going to remember what you shoot every yeah. every week and where you go but that's what we try to do on the road is um experience things and it's the people you meet that you're going to remember so okay. try to try to invest in who you meet and your teammates and the people you meet at tournaments because that's who's going to come back and always be a part of your life and so I think that's the best part yeah. about the sport that we play and um you know that's I guess a little piece of advice I would recommend to players is don't get so caught up sometimes in all the the scores yeah, and things yeah. like that. I know it's hard not to, but just really try to invest in the people that you're around and put that cell phone down for a few minutes and get yes. to know somebody. Yes, very, very true. Well, is there, I mean, do you, ha- obviously we brought that up. Any any other, whether it's funny story, rewarding, anything else from your, whether, I mean, even back to college days or as, as coaching days, anything else that stands out that might be a good, like I said, it can be rewarding on or off the golf course anything else that stands out or like i said or funny funny traditions anything else that i mean um, i wish i could think of one funny moment but nothing in particular i mean i feel like yeah. we laugh constantly yeah. and like that's the best that's part about the team is um just the constant humor that's going on so um i mean to just enjoy the ride i've been so blessed with this you know 30 years of this you know our south carolina junior golf days were amazing yeah. and yeah. into college and just all i've traveled the world because of golf so um, there's just, I mean, there's too many good moments to really yeah. pinpoint anything in particular, but, um, nothing wrong with that. No, you know, I'm not complaining. That's no, for sure. So, no. but no, it, it's been a fun ride, fun journey. I've really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, it's been yeah. great, but well, I, I mean, I think that's a good note to end on then. Um, you know, I, um, actually glad, yes, as we're sitting here, this is benefit of sitting here in, in person that I do have one more And this. I, I know that for some of you listening, um, I've tried to cover some of the questions that some of you have sent me and asked, and I hadn't got to all of them. Um, but one that I did want to ask that um, I do want to cover some is I was wanted one of the girls wants to know what y'all's favorite go to place to eat when you're out on the road. Do you have that one go to place? Well, I wouldn't say we have one go to. So how we kind of do our rotation when we travel is we the girls usually like a sushi place, an Italian place, and usually like a steak. So they like to eat good food. Yeah, um, yeah I do too. Good food. Yeah, I like to eat good food as well. So we and we also try to find local spots everywhere okay. we go. So we try not to stick to the chains. Nothing wrong with the chain restaurants. We love those and have a few that we really like. But um, if we're in a town, we like to look up where's the local spots yeah. that everyone likes to go. So trying to find the hole in the wall. Um, and we found some really good spots along the way that once we go, well, the girls look forward to yeah. it for the next year. They've been talking for an entire year about this Italian place in Birmingham where we get SEC. So okay. can't wait to go back there. 
Um, I know. I haven't eaten yet this morning. We're going to be talking about food. It's got me hungry <laughs> now. I hungry. did, speaking of food, um, South Depot tacos. Oh, good choice. Last, like, yes. Out on the square. Uh, Coach Hal and Janelle, I sent her a message and, um, after she'd been here, and I was like, hey, where's a good place to go? So I checked that out here you in Oxford. You can't get wrong so on the square. All the food's good. Yeah, so. yeah, it was a little cold to be walking around, so yeah. I, I kind of drove over there and drove back to the hotel. But that one, that one was a good one here in Oxford. Perfect. Um, but... Um, any other places, any other go-to or any other, tr- like, go-to, you know, ice cream or something that y'all do when you, you play well or anything? Anything that They y'all do love do their that? ice cream, yeah. so. I feel like college kids love their ice yeah, cream. Yeah, they're definitely into the ice cream, so. We've got half the team that loves Chick-fil-A and half, oh. most of my internationals don't really like it, so, you yeah, know, that's I guess they're not. Yeah, yeah, you don't realize being from the South, Chick-fil-A is that place, but outside of, like, that yeah. Southeast, We're it's the just, that, yeah, yeah, they eat chicken on biscuits yeah, that I learned. Exactly. I learned the hard way. It was one of my good stories from first getting out on the road. I did not realize that eating chicken on a biscuit wasn't common and i'm up in like new york or something i think i go through like mcdonald's or something and i said something about wanting a chicken biscuit and they were like what chicken biscuit and i was like yeah chicken i mean the mcdonald's down here has them so i'm not even you know obviously chick-fil-a and all that and they had no idea what i was talking about and i <laughs> might introduce them to something new that, like, chicken biscuits are obviously not as popular in the northeast as they are in the south carolina yeah and the same thing with chick-fil-a you were just i mean there's a chick-fil-a probably what i'll have for lunch on my way back there's a chick-fil-a on every corner um here but yet when you don't eat chicken like that in other areas of the country i guess it's just not the line's not out the street like it is yeah at all the chick-fil-a's here so exactly and we have a good like half or more of our team loves really healthy food yeah. and some yeah. are a little more picky <laughs> yeah. here so we try to find a, a good balance about that but... was always a hard thing i think that's another thing of, of learning to adapt and adjust when you get on a team of how different that can be and yeah you kind of got to go with what everybody else wants sometimes you yeah. don't always get your way um you know based off of some like i said who eat healthy who have you know all that trying to find that is probably probably a tough like i can remember that being tough uh conversations on the van um trying to decide you know where to go where to eat Mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest like decisions i feel like it's made in a tournament i feel like sometimes oh yeah and as soon as you're eating breakfast they're already asking about what's for lunch lunch. what's for dinner that sounds like (laughs) let's just enjoy this meal (laughs) that sounds about like but hey i I love uh, my food so i can't complain either so all right well i'm glad you brought that one up because i said i've I've got so many questions and there's so much we can sit here and talk about but we're going to wrap this up because i know i've taken up um enough of your time this morning but glad that uh, we got to sit down and talk it's good to see you i know paths cross every now and then but um you know made a little road trip down here and definitely glad i did it's so much better to do these in person and and get to come spend some time with you hate i missed to see miss seeing your parents down here but um thanks you know for for jumping on here with me and and just for all you do and wish you you know best of luck for the season coming up and maybe back-to-back sec titles again and head back to nationals and do even more but just so excited for all that you've done and just to see what you've done and the journey you've come on it's it's a lot of fun and been fun to watch Perfect. Well, thanks, Brandy. It's always good to chat with you, too. And it's fun to see what you've been doing for junior golf. And, you know, wish you all the best and hotty toddy. Yes. Well, thanks. (laughs) And thanks um, for everybody out there joining. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this one was a little special just because Coach Hinkus and I go back to, like I said, our early, early days of junior golf. So I know many of you out there listening are junior golfers who are maybe not as early as eight, nine years old who are listening in, but maybe your daughters are or, you know, even your, your 14, 15, 16 year olds out there. Um, so just to hear, you know, kind of how both our lives have come so full circle and, and where she's at was just a lot of fun to sit down and talk to her and, and hear about her there at Ole Miss and what she's doing. So I hope you enjoyed listening in. 
And if you have any questions or if you want to submit questions or stories for an upcoming episode with either Coach Interview or my Take 3 episodes, you can go visit www.brandyjacksongoff.com. You can also go to Instagram at brandyjacksongoff. It's all Brandy with an I. Submit your questions and I will do my best to try to cover them on an upcoming episode. Till then, thanks again for tapping into this episode of Tap Into College Golf.